Well, this week we learned it's okay to have classified information in your possession, even in your freaking closet, so long as you're a Democrat. The show starts now. Well, folks, there were classified documents from Joe's tenure as vice president found in a closet in his private office at the Penn Biden Center. And you'll be just plumb shocked to know that Joe doesn't seem to remember how they got there. I was briefed about this discovery and surprised to learn that there were any government records that were taken there to that office. He was just plumb surprised. Golly gee, go figure. No freaking duh. Joe has classified documents in a closet. Hillary had a private server in a bathroom, and yet it was Donald Trump that was aggressively raided by the FBI. That's some real convenient national security work right there, folks. So let me guess what happens next. Nothing. Biden forgot, the media will forget, and there will be zero accountability or repercussions because, as we well know by now, that's how liberal privilege works. Joining now to break it down and weigh in some more hot topics fresh out of the swamp is senior digital strategist Greg Price. All right, Greg, so I want to start out with some expert analysis from a group of top-level experts and get your take on the other side. Let's play it. There are differences in what happened. Yes, but you know, the are not good. Well, we all know that Trump is a liar and a thief, you know? We know that. So it's not that big a jump to say that he obstructed and he lied. We don't think that Biden is a liar and a thief, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. That's probably what's going on. But what I think also is going on, no matter what the truth of it is, Whoopi, they will spin it, Bubblehead and Marjorie Taylor and that crowd, Matt Gates. you think they're not gonna spin this and it's just as bad as Trump? And so the, the lie gets out there, people believe it, just like that Donaldson person, whatever his name is. Byron. What's his name? Byron, Byron Donald. Greg, there's just so much there that I'd love to go over. Um, you know, we always have wonderful nuggets given to us by Joy Behar. But I want to start with her whole premise of, you know, Trump is a liar and a thief. So if he does something, it's automatically bad. It's criminal. But if Biden does it, well, he just forgot. So we give him the benefit of the doubt. Do you give him the benefit of the doubt, Greg? Yeah, my go-to uh, analysis for, uh, you know, legal advice over the keeping of classified documents is definitely Joy Behar. I mean, that comment is just like the epitome of liberal NPC brain behavior right there. Like it was it was it's hilarious to watch. But no, Joe Biden does not deserve the benefit of the doubt. And let me tell you why. When it came to the documents Donald Trump took to Mar-a-Lago, he was in an ongoing dispute with the National Archives over whether these documents were considered to be classified or not. Because presidents, unlike vice presidents, are constitutionally able to declassify and classify anything they want. So this was the dispute Trump was in with the National Archives, who then, for reasons we still don't know, fired a, filed a criminal referral to the DOJ. Obviously, we don't, we don't know any of the details about what documents Trump has. We don't know the details of why the FBI decided to raid, because as we remember, the affidavit was heavily, heavily redacted. But when it comes to the documents found in uh, in Joe Biden's personal office at the Penn Biden Center, Joe Biden, those are documents from when Joe Biden was vice president. Unlike Donald Trump, vice, who was president, vice presidents are not able to declassify and declassify anything they'd like to. So therefore, no, Joe Biden does not deserve the benefit of the doubt, but they're going to give it to him anyway, because, you know, these people aren't hypocrites. They've built... A, They've built a system where they can do whatever they want while everybody else is subjected to the, you know, the minutia of the legal code.
Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And again, he gets to play that card. I don't remember. I don't recall. And we believe him because we know that he doesn't remember and he doesn't recall. I mean, that is truthful, but it still doesn't make it acceptable. And we know that this is all going to be swept under the rug. Nobody is going to give a crap about it because it's Joe Biden. He gets away with whatever. But I still wonder. We've got the House Republicans now that are doing a whole lot of things. Even in, in week one, I, last week was kind of a bye week because of the mess. But in week one, they're doing a lot of things, including that select committee on the weaponization of the federal government, the FBI, the DOJ. And of course, we know Democrats were certainly not in favor of that. But do you think this is going to gain any traction? Are we ever going to get some information now that we have that slim little tiny majority in the House? Well, I think it's certainly a start to create this committee. So the original church committee, which uh, I think was formed in the 70s, they were the ones who uncovered the MK Ultra program, which is when the CIA was literally doing human experiments and mind control. And they found a bunch of other you know, terrible things that the deep state was up to back in the 60s and 70s. So I think this is definitely a good move. Jim Jordan is the perfect guy to lead this committee. People like Thomas Massey and people like Dan Bishop, you know, absolute warriors against the intelligence community, against the corruption in the intelligence community are going to be on this committee. So I'm very hopeful that for what this committee can uncover and, you know, that there will actually be consequences for the people that have broken the law and rigged elections in this country. I think it's an absolutely great move. And another thing about it, too, is Another thing about it, too, is we would not have had it if these 20 Republicans did not hold up the House vote this week. This was part of the deal, the the concessions that they forced out of Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, you uh, were obviously following this very closely as I was, and I I saw you the entire time. I mean, you remain steadfast as well. I was personally very annoyed by the whole thing, but I get it. And you know what? All is well that ends well, and I think it ended well. We still have McCarthy, but we have a long list of concessions. So at least it it feels like we're getting to work and the machine is working properly at this point. Another thing I want to talk about, speaking of Matt Gates and others, we've got those January 6th tapes, those 14,000 hours from January 6th. What do you think that they're going to uncover from those tapes, and do you think it'll make any difference? Well, who who, who knows? But, But of the tapes that have been released, we've obviously seen the ones of Capitol Police officers holding doors opening for protesters. There were some taking selfies with protesters. And the thing about this footage, the government is not only not releasing it, they are literally fighting to keep it hidden. They're they're fighting to keep it hidden. So what we're going to uncover, I don't know. But based on how hard that, uh, you know, the feds are hiding to keep this footage from the American people and based on, you know, the the stuff that we've seen come out already that that tears into the, the preferred establishment narrative of what happened on January 6th, who knows what we're going to find. I just wonder if it's going to move the dial at all, because we've had so much information come out in the last two months, even. I mean, the Twitter files, this new lawsuit with the, or the attorney generals who have gotten this new information, the Facebook emails that I appreciate you flagged for me that my name was mentioned in those emails. But we're getting so much transparency and we're getting so much proof of all these conspiracy theories that we've had for years. But it doesn't seem like the public at large cares. And this is what I ask every single one of my guests because it's so frustrating for me. It's like you put it right in front of their face and you say, this is what's happening. Do you see the corruption? And they go, eh, Donald Trump, he's a liar and a thief. And that really seems to be where we are. Well, yeah, first of all, congrats on being on the government's uh, censor list. That's, I I think that's the biggest bad, uh, that's the biggest badge of honor that any, that any of us could ever, ever get. So congrats on that. But you're right. Like people just have as I mentioned before, the the NPC brain where they will just not believe and you know anything that is put in front of them. There's a lot of unfortunately a lot of people like that in America. But I think 
you know, the more and more that comes out, I think more and more people can be woken up to the fact that the government is corrupt, that our, we have a the establishment of our country is corrupt and only in it uh, to gain wealth for themselves, that, you know, we have, you know, that all of that, essentially everything we're told has been a lie. And, you know, the, you know, I think the fact that Elon Musk now controls a major social media platform like, like Twitter and, and gets all this stuff out there, I think there's a lot of room for, you know, the more and more of the stuff that comes out, that the more people wake up to what's happening in our country. I'd like to see someone behind bars. You know, I'd like to see the White House own up to this. I'd like to see that Rob Flattery person. I would like to see whatever his name is. I would like to see him called to the carpet and answering as to why he felt it necessary to reduce me and Tucker Carlson. And you know that there's a whole list of others that they work to reduce as well, which I love that term, by the way, reduce. We're going to reduce you. That's a, a very nice way of putting it. And and here's, a, here's another thing to keep in mind about that too, which is that we're only seeing you know, these specific emails and these specific files from one social media platform, Twitter. And, you know, people, you know, people kind of have this uh, heightened impression of the impact of Twitter because it's like, we're, you know, it's kind of our digital public square in the 21st century. But the actual amount of Americans that use Twitter is only about like 30%. Very few people actually use Twitter. And the majority of tweets actually come from a very limited number of users. Now think about, you know, platforms like Google, and a platform like Amazon, which like, you know, Google about like 70, 80% of Americans use. And imagine if we had a Google files, what we would uncover there about the amount of information that has simply been censored from the American people. The tough thing about being, you know, on our side, being on the right is that we have an uphill battle to climb when it comes to getting our, you know, getting our, our points of view out because they just get censored by these powerful companies. They do. And you'd think the American people would just want the information, whether they agree with it or not, which brings me to my next point, which is hashtag suddenly died. You know, to me, it seems very odd because it seems like liberals. I know how much they loved the vaccine. I know how much they love their masks. But how many people have to suddenly die before liberals step back and say, you know, I'm a liberal and I trust everything Democrats tell me. But boy, a lot of people are sure dropping dead. And this seems very odd. What is it going to take? How many more sudden deaths do we have to have before even Democrats, even diehard liberals start looking and saying, oh, boy, this whole COVID thing, that, uh, that's really concerning. Well, you know, the difference between a conspiracy theory and a fact is only a couple months to maybe a year. And I think eventually we're going to learn a lot of things about the vaccine and, you know, about what, you know, the, the side effects of it, what it's causing at the end of the day. This was a very rushed vaccine. And, and but you weren't allowed to question that. You weren't allowed to question the short timetable that it took to produce it. You weren't allowed to question the fact that they wanted to mandate it for your children without, you know, the difference between the COVID vaccine and every other vaccine your kid takes is that those vaccines were, were studied over, peer, over, you know, years and even decades, whereas the COVID vaccine only came to us in a couple months. And yeah, we see, you know, these uh, stories about all these like young, healthy people, like the offensive linemen from Air Force, mm -hmm. who literally just dropped dead while walking to class. There was another story the other day about a high schooler who had a heart attack. Like these are like these are all, you know, really random, like really random events happen, like young, healthy people getting heart attacks, just dropping dead. It's not a normal thing. Now, obviously, we don't know like all the details yet about what's causing this, but they don't even want you to ask questions. It's like the same thing when the when Damar Hamlin co collapsed on the field. We obviously don't still don't know what happened to him, but all all these people came out immediately and said, "No, no, it's not the vaccine. You can't talk about the vaccine." And I think eventually we're you know we we saw the study from the Florida Surgeon General that it led to in like an eighty percent increase of heart conditions and 
in adults ages 18 to 39. Who knows what we're going to find out about this eventually and how much we were lied to. Well, I want to throw another conspiracy theory your way. I don't think any of this was by accident. I don't think it was just they rushed this vaccine and they didn't quite know what the side effects would be. I feel like this was all by design. I feel like they wanted to get it out as soon as possible, whether knowing it was safe or effective or not. We already know that because they had to admit it. But I think now you've got these people who have these vaccine side effects who will be customers of Big Pharma likely for the rest of their lives because of some of the side effects that could be from this vaccine. So I, again, call me a conspiracy theorist, but I don't feel like any of this was just like, oh, shucks, we messed up. I feel like a lot of this was by design, part of the plan. And I think that they knew that it would come out eventually that there were side effects and that people would be more hesitant to take booster seven. I think they knew that was coming down. But at this point, even now you've got the military vaccine mandate We've got that repealed. Okay, fantastic. But what about all the people that got it that now have side effects? What about them? That's where I don't know where we're going with all of this. What happens now? Yeah, I mean, the people I think about the most are, you know, children, like, you know, high schoolers, middle schoolers, many of whom had to get vaccinated in order to simply go back to school or like participate in a field trip or play sports. I know my little sister, my little sister graduated from Princeton last year and she was forced to get quad boosted in order to go back to school. They forced the whole school to do it. My alma mater did the same exact thing. And so I, like, I think about them, like I think about how, you know, obviously we, what we're going to find out like in the future about what's in these vaccines and what they're, what they're doing to people. And, you know, people simply got them just because they didn't want to be ostracized socially for the most part, like people who are young, like that's the people I think are hurt the most by this. Yeah. It's all, incredibly upsetting and you know if you don't have transparency you don't have accountability you don't even have acknowledgement it's hard to get anywhere but great thank not you e- not only go, go yeah, not only that and you're not even allowed to question it you can't you know and and in, and in your case they'll the government will literally go to big tech and try to censor you yeah no they will and they get away with it that's why you're right i would like to see the facebook files the google files the youtube files so many files i would love to see and then i would like to see them analyzed by joy behar <laughs> oh <laughs> Greg, thank you so much for being here as always. I always enjoy looking at your tweets and thank you for flagging that story about me and that email uh, with my colleague Tucker Carlson. You were the first one that sent it my way. So I appreciate that as always. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Tommy. Always great to be on with you. All right. He's still ahead. Joe Biden went to the border or went near it anyway. But just as quickly as he arrived, he left. Meanwhile, how many legals poured across while he scoured El Paso for an ice cream cone to go? I've got my friend, the former chief of Border Patrol, Rodney Scott, on deck to discuss. Illegals, illegals everywhere. Oh, and drugs, those two. President Joe likely would have seen both had he actually visited the southern border instead of just showing up in his usual state of bewilderment before snapping a few photos and heading out. You know, it's a shame, too, because they even cleaned up the migrant encampments in El Paso to cleanse the optics. That was a giant waste of time and resources. But unlike Joe, I've been to the southern border on several occasions, and rather than stand there for a few photos and nod my head, I went to do what Joe should have done, learn from those who actually do the now impossible work of securing it. And that's how I met my next guest, former Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott. All right, Rodney, so I follow you on social media, and I love how honest you are about everything. Obviously, I see you on Fox News all the time as well. Finally liberated so you can talk about everything that this administration is doing to absolutely F up everything that the Trump administration did But I want to start with that border visit. You know, now he can say he's been to the border, but do you think he really saw anything? Absolutely not. I mean, if you watch any of the news, they sanitized El Paso before he ever got there. 
it was only three hours. And you personally know when, when we toured in San Diego, you've got to get out and look around a little bit and have some real conversations to understand what's going on. And clearly he doesn't understand what's going on. Um, I, and I, I don't believe he spoke to actually any agents on the line, spent much more of his time at a port, which is important. Uh, and then NGOs, but I don't, I don't think anything's going to come out of it. I don't think he learned anything new, to be honest. No, and I don't think he wanted to, quite frankly. And, and again, when any of these Biden officials or any of these congressional Democrats, anytime they talk about the border and they even refer to it as a crisis, I don't believe that they're shocked as to the fact that it's happening or how we got here or what it would take to actually secure the border. I think this is by design. But what do you think when you see states like Texas putting shipping containers as makeshift barriers? I mean, having to essentially construct their own wall just to have a baseline barrier to protect the country this administration refuses to protect. Yeah, it's horrible. I, I do a lot of work with Texas now. I actually even went down and helped them do an evaluation of Operation Lone Star, the effectiveness, how to, how to improve it. If you look at those numbers, I think everyone, your, your viewers, everybody out in America needs to understand, when Texas uh, basically reveals how many people they've encountered, those would have been gotaways. So Texas is basically, they went to the Border Patrol and said, hey, how do you secure the border? And then they understood barriers. So not only did they put up those shipping containers, but they're also building actual border wall, the exact same design that the U.S. Border Patrol had come up with that we were building along the southwest border because they know that it keeps Texans safe. The horrible part is now America's paying for it twice, especially Texans. We already paid for our via taxes and all the money that was appropriated for the border wall and the technology before. And then now Texas is going back and having to basically reappropriate new money to do what was already supposed to be done. Uh, the shipping containers aren't the answer to world hunger, but at least they help slow down cross-border illegal traffic and, and slow down those bonsais of massive people coming across to those areas. So I was actually in Arizona, I guess it was a couple of years now, kind of right at the start of the Biden administration, and I saw pieces of border wall and equipment that had already been funded for border wall sitting there and rusting. And we're talking millions and millions of dollars worth of wall that just sat there because the Biden administration wanted to send a virtue signal. But even as we know how important the physical barriers are, you and I spent a lot of time looking at wall prototypes when I was in San Diego several years ago, but none of it really matters how great your barriers are. You can have a moat filled with alligators if you want. If the Biden administration is opening the door saying, just come on through here, we'll process you and release you into the country, it doesn't matter how tall your wall is or how much barbed wire you put on it. It doesn't really matter when the policy is what it is. That's 100% accurate. Thank you for bringing that up, Tommy, because some of the legislation that's being pushed currently, even by the right, it only it, it funnels money to the Border Patrol and it funnels some technology, they call it. But if you look closely, it's all focused on expediting how quickly they process people and release them into the United States. The problem we have today is a policy problem. As long as this administration uh, really focuses on catch and release, very intentionally catching and releasing people into the U.S. as quickly as possible, uh, there's no barrier on the planet that's going to slow them down. And so the cartels, by the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this in there. We talk about all the time that the illegal aliens, this administration does talk about there being a humanitarian crisis. And they, they talk about how you know we don't want people sleeping on the streets of El Paso. They never talk about actual border security. And they never talk about how the cartels are systematically using these massive numbers of people that Biden invited to America to overwhelm law enforcement, 
create systematic gaps in border security. And then they're bringing across the, the, the heroin, the fentanyl, the cocaine, the criminals that are willing to pay more to not encounter a Border Patrol agent. And if you think that a terrorist is knowingly going to walk up and surrender to Border Patrol, you're insane. Yet we caught 96 people last year on the National Terrorist Watch List. I think it's up to like 100 and almost 120 now coming into this year. That's yeah. a real threat that this administration refuses to acknowledge. No, it certainly is. And you're right, Border Patrol agents, you know, even back during the Trump administration was when he was getting so much, so much criticism for his zero tolerance policy. I mean, that's when I visited you when he was saying we need to secure this border. We're going to do it. And then everyone was in an uproar. AOC went down and she cried at the wall and she cried at the cages that Obama set up all this. And he was saying, no, we're going to actually fix this problem. And he was well on his way to doing just that. I mean, I went several times during the Trump administration and it was almost crickets. We didn't really even see a whole lot of activity because people were not incentivized to come over. But even when I was with you, your agents were still microwaving burritos and handing out blankets. I mean, they were still babysitters. I can't imagine what agents are dealing with now. Of those that you still keep in regular contact with, what do they deal with on a daily basis? The morale of the U.S. Border Patrol is just tanked. Like, I don't know that it could go much lower and have people still show up for work, to be quite honest. Um, the vast majority of them are doing exactly what you, what you just stated. The, the cartels push over these huge groups of people. And again, if anybody out there is, gets into, it has the courage to get into debates with individuals on the left, and they keep talking about all these asylum seekers, why would you, if you were going to claim asylum, why would you wait until like two in the morning to cross the raging Rio Grande River in December when it's freezing cold or go out into the middle of the desert in Arizona? It's because the cartel controls all of that. So the cartel watches how many agents are on duty. They push across enough illegal aliens to overwhelm them. And then the Border Patrol agents are stuck inside processing the rest of the shift. The cartel gets to do whatever they want. So here's the thing. The Biden administration may not want to talk about it, but the agents know that when they're overwhelmed like that, that the cartel's bringing in serious threats to their family in this country, and they feel helpless to do anything about it, even though that was their mission. And that's the frustration that you're seeing uh, within Border Patrol today. And it's just getting worse because they don't see this administration talking about border security in any meaningful way. No, and they don't care. And you're right. We need to stop this funding to DHS until we secure the border because throwing more money at the problem is actually exacerbating the problem. They get more money to work with. They move people through quicker, but it doesn't solve the problem. I want to talk as well about Biden's new policy of allowing 30,000 folks from, what is it, Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, Venezuela to come over and they get this like temporary asylum. They get on temporary parole. What's that all about and what's that going to do? First and foremost, there's no, there's nothing more permanent than a temporary government program. So <laughs> don't buy into that. It's all smoke and mirrors. Secondly, the uh, the numbers just don't add up. If you look at 280,000 encounters U.S. Border Patrol had just in November of this last year, 30,000, really? It's not going to make a drop in the bucket. And the people have already indicated that they're not going to wait in line. And by the way, that 30,000 number, from what I understand, was decided by Mexico, not by the United States. They, they basically part of the agreement. They said, hey, we'll take back 30,000 if you let 30,000 in. Since when do we give other countries the ability to decide who and what comes into this nation? Under the Trump administration, whether people like it or not, he understood and the last administration understood that Mexico is a little bit different. Um, and I'm not criticizing them. It's just reality. We talk about like different sayings and we joke around about them like silver or lead. But that's a saying in Mexico that's really true because the cartels have so much control. 
So the last administration, Trump made it more beneficial, or more painful, if you will, to not work with the U.S. than to than to work with us. This administration walked away from all of that. This this program, it's just it's just another signal to the world that there's a million different ways to get into the United States illegally now. So why the heck should I bother waiting in line and doing it legally? Yeah, nobody's going to do that. Why would anybody? When you see all these people cutting in line, even if you are just coming over here to work, you're not going to wait in that line. But now even the Florida Keys is being absolutely bombarded by these individuals. Ron DeSantis is having to activate the National Guard to go try to stem that tide. But it's never going to stop. I mean, being where our country is and how much border we have, I don't see any way to stop a full-blown, and I call it an invasion, at any part of our border whatsoever because everybody's coming. (laughs) Yeah, so you hit the nail on that, too. It's the United States Border Patrol, not the Southwest Border Border Patrol. Uh, We've had problems on the northern border with different crime forever. We have a great partner uh, in Canada that we can work with a little bit more uh, above board, if you will, than than Mexico. But this this highlighting the, the migrants in Florida is another good example. Border Patrol was already completely busy 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So were the CBP officers at the ports of entry. And going back to that new program, we didn't even talk about the fact that those 30,000 are going to be processed at ports of entry. That means that CBP officer that was supposed to be processing legal trade and travel, people doing it the right way, reducing the backlog of the supply chain are now being diverted to process more illegal aliens into this country. This is a national threat. The border wall was making every single Border Patrol agent more effective along that southwest border so that resources could be surged to these other areas where we weren't going to build a wall around Florida, for example. Um, But the thing is that we had a holistic border security plan, a playbook, if you will. Biden threw it out. His administration took every single thing they could find that we've developed in the last four years before them, and they threw it out for no reason other than the fact that they hated the prior administration. None of it makes sense. Well, that and they really don't mind if we have millions of illegal aliens coming into this country because they want to bolster census numbers and get more Democrat representatives. Last thing I want to talk to you about, though, is Gavin Newsom, because I know you obviously spent a lot of time in California. Gavin Newsom was your governor, was my governor for several years. He took a trip to the border about a month ago and he said, oh, it's a problem here. And and California is having to do the work because the federal government isn't and it's all Republicans' fault. When Gavin Newsom says something like that, from the time that you spend in California and probably even working with Governor Newsom at some point in time, what do you make of his little trip and what his plans would be? Should he potentially be, I don't know, the president in 2024? Man, so much just went through my mind right now that I'm not even going to put on words. But um, yeah, that guy can't be trusted in any way, shape or form. Guess who he didn't talk to when he went down for his little photo op? The U.S. Border Patrol, U.S. Customs and Border Protection. He pushed through a sanctuary city, a sanctuary state law while I was the chief out in San Diego that completely devastated task forces that were working on counter narcotics up and down the border because the, I'm sorry, up and down the coast because that's also a border. And we had great relationships with state and locals. And basically they pushed through this sanctuary state law that destroyed all those task forces. The last time he went down to the border was when I was still chief and sit, not this, this time, but probably before. I was still the chief in San Diego sector. He had just become the governor. And it took me about a couple of months and working a lot of backdoor channels to get him to even come to the border. Part of the deal was there couldn't be any cameras. We wouldn't do any social media. But I gave him a pretty good briefing, and he acknowledged many of the things I told him. First and foremost, that that border wall in San Diego made both San Diego and Tijuana safer. It makes both communities safer because law and order attracts people and businesses. 
But anyway, he then like not 10 minutes later, he went and did another video, blew off everything I said and made fun of the border wall, said San Diego is super secure, even though he was sitting north of two border walls and about a thousand border patrol agents and CBP officers. He said that, uh, you know, Trump's border security w- was was dumb, basically, and it was not needed. Um, I, You can't trust anything that guy says. Look at his track record of actually destroying that state. That's what we should pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, I I think anybody can tell you that. Yeah, anybody that's had any experience with Gavin Newsom can tell you that. But boy, does he put on a good show. Rodney, thank you for everything that you do and for being so vocal. I obviously follow you on social media, see you on Fox all the time, and I'm so happy when I do see you. And it's so great to reconnect with you. And please, to all those Border Patrol agents, you know how much I love Border Patrol. Please send them my love, my support. You know, I wish this administration would let me go down for another tour, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. So maybe when we get a new administration. won't let anybody go. Right, yeah, they definitely will not. The Trump administration was happy to have me there, and I obviously got to do several several tours with Border Patrol. But uh, as soon as Biden came into office, they said that that wasn't appropriate anymore. So maybe one day. And uh, thank you so much for everything that you've taught me. I use it really every single day. So I appreciate all that information. Thank you for keeping the fight going out there. And hey, 2025 can't come fast <laughs> exactly. enough. Exactly. All right. Thank you so much, Rodney. Still ahead, Zelensky's country is at war, but he has time to get the Hollywood award show spotlight. Go figure. My final thoughts are next. Zelensky, whose priority is apparently not to monitor the active war zone we are funding him to defend in Ukraine, took the time to speak to the Golden Globes Award audience, however small that was, last night. How cute. It's time for Final Thoughts. So at last check, unless we've cut him another check, we've handed over $50 billion to Zelensky and co. to help defend Ukraine from Russian invasion. Now, that fact alone is angering by itself, considering the fact we don't defend our own border. Him coming to speak in front of Congress before Christmas and charismatically demand more, also angering, also BS. You know, I feel for the Ukrainian people, I really do, and I support their mission to fend off Russia. I sincerely do. But that man, that Zelensky, is a snake if I've ever seen one. I don't trust him, and he makes my skin crawl. What kind of leader finds it appropriate to make an award show speech as his country is at war? The man has made this entire war effort about himself, posing for Vogue, meeting with celebrities, meeting with prominent old folks having his mug spread across Time magazine for person of the year, and, of course, grandstanding in front of award show audiences like the fame junkie he is. Last night's little message of peace at the Golden Globes was his second appearance at that particular award show, and apparently he owns only one tracksuit. But he was also there last year to suck up the spotlight, and Hollywood liberals gladly obliged because the only thing those jewel-encrusted movie stars like celebrating more than themselves are hacks like them, especially hacks that receive taxpayer funding to incentivize their hackery. And no, I'm not dogging on Zelensky because I'm a Putin sympathizer or a Russian sympathizer or any of it. I'm dogging on Zelensky because while his people are fighting, starving, cold, and fired upon, he is showboating his happy, indulgent ass on TV like a big shot, like he's a freaking Kardashian. It's disgusting. He is using a devastating war in his country to prop himself up, seek, and then gain attention. It's sickening to me. And we keep promoting him on both sides of the aisle as if Zelensky himself is the embodiment of resilience and bravery. No, he's a failed comedian turned president turned fame pimp, and I've had enough. 
I support Ukraine. I don't support that clown. And those are my final thoughts. Be sure to catch the entire show as well as exclusive content on Outkick.com. From Nashville, God bless and take care.